Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. Perception is reality. Reality. Some talk shows think all of their opinions are right. This one, this one knows they are. This is Perception is Reality. Christopher H. Bilbury is a no-nonsense, well, maybe a little bit of nonsense, political activist, local government watchdog, and all-around good Hoosier and God-fearing American citizen. Is this guy for real? Holding lawmakers accountable and educating citizens on the importance of participating in their local government with a dab of national and world politics and a little pop culture and maybe some real-life common sense. This, this is, is Perception is Reality. And this is Christopher H. Bilbrey. All right, welcome to the show today, everybody. This is episode 64, Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. Thank you for being here, listening to this on your favorite podcast hosting site or at the home link, perception.fireside.fm. Be sure to share this episode with anyone and everyone you know, if you're listening to this, people need to hear it. But specifically today, if you're listening to this and you live in Muncie or Delaware County, or you know someone that lives in Muncie or Delaware County, or you or someone that you know or love or care about in any way lives in one of the surrounding communities, meaning Anderson, Winchester, Newcastle, Blackford County, uh, Hartford City, Jay County, Portland. If you live in East Central Indiana, and honestly, anywhere in about a two-hour drive of Muncie, you or those people will want to hear this. I'm going to go ahead and get right into it today. We're going to be talking with one of my Facebook friends. He's somebody I don't know. He's just someone who I have interacted with over social media. Matter of fact, he and I had a little bit of skirmish at the beginning when we first started talking and, uh, you know, we kind of went back and forth and he took some shots at me and I took some shots at him. But over the time, uh, he's someone that I started talking with and we're now friends. And so, you know, the past is the past and the future is now. So that's what matters. But we're going to be talking today here in just a moment when he joins us on the phone with a former heroin addict who is currently clean. He has been clean since 2016, I believe. And not only is he dealing with his own addiction and just keeping it there, he got really involved with Road to Redemption, which is a group out of Muncie. And he now helps with the leadership there and has kind of taken over some of those groups and is really involved with that. And he has talked with me about the rehab center in Winchester. We were talking about the deal that they have facing the citizens in Anderson. And then he's been really concerned about a center that was just mentioned in a Star Press newspaper article on Thursday, December 12th, talking about an opioid addiction treatment center and the plans to open in Muncie as early as Monday of this next upcoming week, Monday, December 16th. And when you hear Opioid Addiction Treatment Center, that sounds wonderful. When you read the article, however, you hear that it's not a rehab, it's not a detox center. Instead, 
It's a methadone, subutec, and suboxone clinic. Or what those who are in recovery or those who are currently in active addiction call them state-sanctioned drug dealers or state-sanctioned drug dealing clinics. So Anthony reached out. He was really concerned about this and wanted to come on and talk and tell a little bit about his path, the road he's been down, his, no pun intended, road to redemption, and talk about some of the concerns that he sees with this facility and that the citizens of Muncie need to be aware of. So on the other side of this quick break, we're going to be joined with Anthony Tiller and we're going to listen to what he has to say and we need to get really informed about this center that apparently is going to be starting in Muncie on Monday, the 16th of December, 2019. You're listening to Perception is Reality. I'm Christopher H. Bilbrey and we'll be right back. All it took was someone who would insist that I just try. Suddenly, everything was turned around because they judge you. You tell them, I don't need this. No one is going to understand. Unless they've been through it, how can they? Then one day you realize... You feel so hopeless. I need help. I need help. You feel so hopeless. Then one day you realize... Unless they've been through it, how can they understand? I don't need this. No one's going to judge you. Suddenly everything was turned around because they insist that I just try. All it took was someone who would just... Listen. Go to heretolisten.com for tips and tools to help turn addiction around. Now we go on the record with a one-on-one interview designed to engage, entertain, or enrage you. Perception is reality. On the record. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. This is episode 64, and we are joined on the phone by Mr. Anthony Tiller. He was born and raised in Winchester, Randolph County, and now currently lives in Muncie, Delaware County. Mr. Tiller is a former heroin addict, and he's now clean and helping with Road to Redemption Recovery Group. Mr. Tiller, thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, it's an honor. Likewise, glad to have you on the show. We've been talking about having you on for a while, but we just kept kind of hitting and missing. And then earlier in the week, I attended a city council meeting in Anderson where they were talking about a rehab facility. And of course, over the last couple years, I have been at odds with Winchester over a rehab facility that the current mayor, Sean Byram, brought to Winchester, and it was a disaster. And look, I'm not against helping people. I'm not against drug addicts getting clean. I'm actually in favor of that. But I want to make sure that the rehab that is brought to Winchester or a rehab that is brought to Anderson or to Muncie or anywhere is doing what it's supposed to be doing, is helping the people that it's intended to be helping. And if, for example, Winchester's putting out a million dollars, I want that million dollars to help the citizens of Winchester unless we have a plan with another community that will help your people if you put up a million dollars to help our people. So I'm not against treatment. I have been touched with addiction in my family. I have friends that are currently in active addiction. I have lost friends, so I completely get it, and I am in no way against helping people. It just needs to be done right. So, okay, Mr. Tiller, 
why don't you just start us off from the beginning? Tell us a little bit about your story, who you are, where you came from, and how you got here. All right. Back in the early 2000s, um, I used to be a firefighter and EMT myself. And I mean, I've worked on classmates and people who was in drug abuse, who've overdosed. And, um, you know, I'd always wonder, I always talked to him and I'm like, well, you know, why are you guys doing this? Why are you doing that? And never imagined myself falling into that hole. Well, after being on the fire department, I had broke my back and I ended up having to have two back surgeries, which I had to, you know, quit the fire department and I couldn't do that work anymore. Well, once I had the back surgeries, I was in pain all the time. So I was going to doctors, you know, double dipping, seeing different doctors, getting pain pills left and right. Well, then they're like, you know, you need to go see a pain management doctor. We can't keep writing for you like this. So they sent me to Dr. Hedrick and I had seen Dr. Hedrick from about 2004 till, you know, early 2013 when he got in trouble in Delaware County. But, uh, it, the pill, pill thing, he just, you know, kept increasing, kept increasing, kept increasing. And at one point, he had me on 400 milligrams of morphine a day, 90 milligrams of roxycodone a day, and five per tens a day, all in one day. Holy well, shit. How, I yeah. mean, to just to wait, I, I don't mean to stop you, but talk no, about that for a second here. I'm just because, like I said, um, I'm a former police officer, so I have a good understanding of drugs and, and kind of, you know, what people do and the lingo and all of that. Besides that, my stepfather's a pharmacist, so oh, wow. I have a pretty good understanding of, yeah. of medication pills and things like that. So you break your back and you have surgery, which shit happens. People are in car wrecks, and, and that's right. why I say that, you know, the chances of somebody just becoming a meth addict or cocaine uh, addict mm. is, is not very likely, but... The chance no, that have, somebody... They have something that leads up to it. Yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. But the chance of someone becoming a heroin addict or, or an opiate addict is is could just be by chance. You know, if, God forbid, you're driving and a Mack truck hits you and you're in the hospital on morphine drip for a month and you get out and you're on medication, you know, it could just accidentally grab a hold of you. So back right, up there a right. second. So you, you had a, a legitimate reason to be on pain pills. And what year was this? About 2004. So you get out of the hospital and you're still, you're still, you know, just because you're out of the hospital doesn't mean you're out of pain. So they send you home with... Back then it was like Vicodin and Lortabs. Okay. How many are you supposed to be taking a day? I was supposed to be taking altogether about four to six a day, okay. which at first that's what I was doing, but... Then one day I popped a couple extra and was like, damn, you know, I feel good. Yeah. And from then on, it was like I was taking three at a time. Then I'd start taking four at a time, then five at a time. Then it got to the point where I couldn't even get high off the, you know, the Vicodin and lower tabs. So uh, they started putting me on uh, morphine sulfate, which is morphine. So wait a minute. Stop right there because it's important for people to know this. So when they gave you the Vicodin and they're telling you, you know, you can take up to 60 milligrams of Vicodin a day, six, one tablet, 10 milligram pills every couple of hours. And then you get to the point where you're taking 60 milligrams or more at one time. Then what do you say to the doctor when that doesn't work and you want more? Because it's, 
the type of thinking that people have is, why did the doctor allow this? So what is it that you're saying that causes the doctor to write more, or do they just simply not care? What, where, where are your thoughts on that? You just keep going up and up and up, and your body starts getting immune to you know the dosages that you're taking. So you you need stronger medicine. Did the doctors not tell you, hey, you need to be careful with this? You need to wean off this. I mean, what was the doctor when when you when they send you home from the hospital and they say, okay, you can take. Uh, you know, six of these Norco tins or Lortab tins a day, and did they give you any kind of warning with it? No, not at first. Uh, okay. Back back then, they were more worried about you selling them. Yeah. And I, no, I never knew. You know, you better that. take every single one of these. We don't want you selling them. Yeah, you're right. Like, you're okay, right. I'll t- I'll take them. But let me ask you this question. You know, people who are used to people being addicted to heroin know about the withdrawals because that's given as the excuse as to why people don't get clean or why they don't want to get clean because they're afraid of going through the withdrawal. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But morphine and Vicodin and all of that produces the same effect. Was there ever a time early on where you were taking this medication that you saw as medication and you ran out early or you didn't have what you needed or you didn't have enough and that for the first time you went through withdrawal, did you know what it was? Did you know what was happening to you? Explain that for a second. At first I didn't. I was like, man, you know, my stomach's killing me. I'm getting sick. Then uh, about a week later, I'd get my uh, prescription refill and I'd take more and that sickness went away. That them stomach went away, you know, yeah. and it was like, then you start realizing damn i'm dependent on these this has me yeah yeah but then you still don't care because you like that high so one day the vicodin's just not cutting it the percocet's not cutting it and you go in and say hey this isn't working i need something else yeah i just go and tell the doctor hey you know this this ain't helping my back's still killing me i can't sleep at night you know give them manipulate them yeah uh a person who's in uh active addiction is one hell of a manipulator i call them professional manipulators i one time myself i was a professional manipulator you know you just pump them pump them a story and try to get them feeling sorry for you and then more or less i mean they ask you you know what's going to help for you well i need you know try me on morphine you know well then start putting you on morphine it got to the point where one day, I went to a friend's house. He's like, check this out. And he drew a morphine up in a syringe and shot himself up. And I seen how he got so high off of it. And I'm like, well, try it. You know, stick me. Let me right. see how it was like. And from that day on, you know, I didn't, I did not take pills orally. I would put them in the syringe and put them up my arm. Really? Yeah. And so you were still under the doctor care at the time. Were you at Dr. Hedricks at this point, your family doctor, or where were you at at the time? Getting the morphine from my family doctor, but after about a year of that, he referred me to Dr. Hedrick. And this is about, like I said, about 2005, 2006. And then you go to Dr. Hedrick's office. I started off in Fort Wayne when he was in Fort Wayne. And uh, you'd be up there all day waiting because there was just so many damn people, but he more or less would just ask you, well, what works for you? And you tell him whatever works, and that's what he wrote you for. Well, then when he come down to Muncie, you know, 
I could go in, slip him a hundred dollars, and be he'd be like, well, "What do you want this month?" My God! And it got to the point where I was on dilated eights, and I was shooting them. Plus, I was buying another person's whole script of Dilaudids and still running out, not making it through the month. Well, then when Dr. Hedrick got in all that trouble, no other doctor would take his patients. They called them all drug addicts, which, I mean, I wouldn't say all of them was drug addicts, but I'd say probably about 80% was, you know, because right. I mean, you could just, as long as you go in, pass the drug screen, which they didn't even watch you take a drug screen, so... I mean, I was one of the people that I would take in somebody else's piss that had my medicine in it, you know, and still keep getting whatever I want. And one time I went in there and they made me raise up my arms and uh, it was uh, Susan Adam Hayes. And she had seen the check marks on my arms. She's like, well, what's that? And I told her, you know, I said, but they're old, you know, she's like, well, I don't want to see them next month. And still gave me my medicine knowing I was shooting drugs. That's what I was going to ask you. So there came a point where they knew you were shooting the medicine and they still said, still, okay, here you go. Yep. Still gave it to me. And every month I'd go in there. I'd have to redo my file, like my uh, medical file, because it wouldn't be in their system. It's like, you know, I'd come in, they'd do it, and erase it. You know, I mean, it was it was some odd things going on. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Every so they didn't keep track of their patients? Uh-uh, not at all. Okay, okay, all right. As long as you, as long as you got the money, money talks, bullshit walks. Yeah, absolutely, you know. absolutely. So, yeah, you're. it don't matter you had track marks it didn't matter if you had been there for a year or two years or if you had a hundred dollars that's what yeah yes sir and then when he when a da and a dtf all them shut him down yeah. all the patients were just left out left out in the open couldn't get no medicine couldn't get this so everybody's going through withdrawals and my so-called friend who i thought was a friend at the time he was like here try try a couple of these and hand me these clear caps and i'm like well what's this and he's like it's heroin and i said man you know i don't do that he said but man he said it'll take away the withdrawals and he says just like you know shooting morphine so i tried it and i was like wow you know that ain't no bullshit it was cheaper said, yeah and that's what i was getting ready to say he said uh Instead of paying, you know, $30 for more 60 he says, one of these caps, if we, if we go to Dayton, we can get these caps for $5 a piece. Jesus. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, <laughs> let's go to Dayton, you know. And then next thing you know, you're strung, I mean, strung out heroin addict. And uh, unfortunately, I've overdosed seven times. <sighs> and the last time the doctor, they took me to ball, they had to give me seven doses of Narcan. And when I finally came out of it, that doctor said, son, he said, you need to get your shit straight because normally I only give people up four shots. He says, after that, you know, I don't do more than four. He said, why I went to seven? I don't know. The mercy of God was on me that day. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, if that's not something, I mean, you know, because basically you're a dead body that they're they're wasting medicine in. Right. And, right. you know, so four, you know, they put one in you and you don't come out. And, you know, he said he normally goes to four and he went to four and you're still not there. They could have easily called time of death and, you right. know, you'd be in the ground right now. Yes, sir. So they went to seven. You came out of it. Now, we were talking right before I went on recording about some health issues that you had. Keep in mind, yeah. everyone listening, he's 37 years old. So was this the time that you had? The issue with your heart? No, this was that was overdosing stuff was after. Um, 
back in 2011, I had came down with a blood infection called endocarditis, which uh, really affects your heart. It uh, really likes to attack your heart. And uh, come to find out, I had to go through 12 weeks of antibiotic therapy in a nursing home. And during that time, I went into congestive heart failure and they ended up having to do open heart surgery on me in May of that year. Um, they went in and cleaned the vegetation off my heart, um, repaired a mitral valve prolapse, what I had, causing regurgitation in my heart. Now, did, and, was that called, was that just a birth defect or was that caused by, for the drug use or what? Uh, the endocarditis and the vegetation around your heart was caused by the drug use, but I've had a, a heart murmur, you know, growing up my whole life. Oh, you've Riley, known about that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. At Riley, they had grow out of it, but I didn't. So they went in, um, fixed it. Well, when they brought me back to my room, I was bleeding out quicker than what they could keep blood in me, and um, I started to crash on them. So they took me back, took me back down, and had another open heart surgery, opened me back up to you know find out where all the blood was coming from and they found two or three bleeders that they had to close up and you know they brought me back and that was may of that year well instead of putting the drugs down and you know learning my lesson i would say i still stayed with shooting drugs and july from may to july july that year i ended up having four strokes and you know, admitted back into Ball Hospital, which they didn't know if I was going to come out of it, if I was going to survive. Um, it was all bad. And come to find out after they'd done the blood test to see, you know, what was going on with me that, you know, I had blood clots, two bilateral blood clots, one on each lung. Um, they also found out I had endocarditis again. 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 So I had to, as soon as I got out of a ball from the strokes, I went straight to a nursing home for 12 more weeks of antibiotic therapy. And, you know, you'd think you'd learned your lesson, especially after having the strokes in the first open heart surgery, but I didn't. I was sitting in the nursing home, still shooting drugs. Um, this time it was easier because I had a pick line in <laughs> and I didn't have to stick myself. And for, for anyone that might not know what that is, that's he's he, they've stuck a basically a permanent uh, yeah. place where they can inject medicine into him like an IV, but it's for long term. And so you were just using their, their medical device to shoot. So what you had friends that were bringing you dope or what? I mean, Oh yeah. Okay. They'd come in for a visit. And um, when I got out of ball, I had them manipulated them into writing me for pres prescriptions. Well, when I went to the nursing home, I took them in there with me and I was hiding them. Then when I would get my uh, pain medicine and stuff from the nurse there, I would do it, and then I still had some hid. And then when I ran out of that, yeah, I was having people bring it into me. And Jesus, um, I can remember one time uh, I left and snuck out, ran two blocks over, grabbed some drugs, and ran back before the nurses even knew I was gone. Holy and, shit! Yeah, it's crazy, and. uh so finally, you know, I get that, get, finally get rid of the endocarditis and I'm still on the drugs. Um, then, uh, I ended up catching felonies. Um, my heroin use had got so bad. I was shooting three to five grams of heroin a day. Okay. And, uh, I had got picked up in Randolph County in 2014. 
I had blacked out at a stop sign with my foot on the brake, truck still in gear, and my three-year-old son in the back. Uh, someone had called me in, and the county showed up, ended up taking me to jail, charged me with uh, OWI with passenger under the age of 14, child endangerment, child neglect, possession of a narcotic drug, um, unlawful possession of a syringe. So, I mean, I had racked up a few felonies. Well, yeah. I ended up getting bonded out, and then it was... About a year later, I still had them charges pending. I ended up getting picked up in Muncie over here at Burlington and Memorial at the Village Pantry there. Um, me and my brother was, you know, picking up some stuff. Well, I didn't know it, but he was doing heroin at the time, too, and he was all blacked out over the wheel, which he tried to tell me he hadn't slept in like three days and this and that and the other. Well, I'm sitting here smacking him for like an hour telling him, we got to go, we got to go. No, wait a minute. While this is happening, so, okay, that that's interesting to me. So you're going to pick up stuff and your brother's just with you or you were going with your brother? Driving. He was driving and he was taking me to go pick up a gram of heroin. Okay. Off and, of his scene. Okay, and, and you didn't know he was using... No, I did not know at the time he was using. Now, when I mean, when he knowing that that addicts are you know master manipulators and and hearing his story and knowing what people say when you when you see what he's doing and you hear him and he's saying oh it's just because I've not slept now, do you buy that or are you saying ah oh, no there's something wrong here? At first I was like because he has insomnia. Yeah, okay. At first I was buying it, but when I'm sitting here slapping him and he'll come to for a second and now yeah. he goes. Then I'm like, yeah, he's on some. Right. So I'm like, hey, switch me seats, you know, because right. I'm like, because we just been there too long. Sure. I knew, I knew PD was going to show up. And, uh, well, finally, after he, he finally starts to back up, I look in the mirror and PD pulls right up behind us. And I'm like, stop, stop, stop. You know, he's like, what? And I said, he about backed into a cop car, man. Oh, my. They pull him out. I hide. He sees where I hide this heroin at. Well, right. he, uh, gets pulled out of the car and come to find out he's driving while suspended. He's got two warrants out of Delaware for him and the cops are getting ready to release the truck to me. Well, next thing I know my doors coming flying open. This officer grabs me and slams me against the back of the truck and reaches right in that pocket and says, what the hell is this? Uh, the, only thing, the only thing I did is look at him and said, well, obviously you already know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. There wasn't enough finding it or nothing. So I went to jail. My wife let me sit for about a month to maybe, you know, get me cleaned out, get my head straight. Oh, well, shit. How was that? How was that uh, month in jail? That was rough, especially in Delaware County, because that smell that Delaware County has, yep. and you're already sick to your stomach. Yep. It's all bad. It's all bad. All right. And uh, so I get out, like, I think it was... Well, right there, right at Easter in 2016, okay. day before Easter. And, uh, well, I ended up going to buy a car in Delaware County four days later. So it's April April 1st or something like that. And I ended up conning this guy down on the car about 300 bucks. That way I had 300 bucks in my pocket. Well, I ended up... I, my, I was supposed to follow my wife back to Muncie. Well, I'm like, hey, I want to go show my mom this car. So I drove, she lives over by Unionport in between uh, Winchester and Farmland. And uh, I get there, well, it's my brother's there. 
Nobody else. My mom and his girlfriend left to go somewhere. And mind you, I just bought this car, so nobody knows it. It's got the tags from the other people still on it. And uh, I walk in, the first thing I do is, got anything? He says, well, I got like nine caps. I said, I'll take them all. And we go out, and I'm sitting in the car in my mom's driveway, you know, loading a syringe and doing a shot. He comes out to check out the car. Well, I found this little hiding spot. So I'm like, cool, you know. So I put all everything in there, and we're talking, and he sees it. Well, I told him, I said, hey, I got to run into Winchester real quick, get, you know, the dash lights all turned off, you know, reset. And uh, I go into Winchester, and, I mean, as soon as I get there by the VP across from uh, Meridian's, there's – Three county cops sitting there and two city boys. So I, you know, squat down the seat, turn my hand around, you know, try to disguise myself. That way they didn't know who it was. Well, yeah. as, soon as, as soon as I pass them, here they all come. We get to the dollar store and they ended up doing a felony stop on me, got me out of the car, knew who was in the car already, um, and went directly to the hiding spot and pulled the stuff out. So were you set up? Did I... Yeah, that's what I'm leaning towards. But... Okay, sure, all right. But uh, so then I'm sitting in Randolph County this time. Okay. And uh, I'm already out on three bonds already. Yeah. Well, they put a, a 24-hour hold on me, so that way I have to go to court. And uh, at the time, my bond was only $1,200. Well, we go to court and judge a buys a realizes I'm already out on three different other bonds for drugs. So he looks at me, he says, Mr. Tiller, he said, I'm revoking the $1,200 bond and I'm putting you on a $5,000 cash bond. He said, yeah, you know, you, you got any questions for the court? And I'm like, yes, sir. I said, is that $500 with a bondsman? He said, no, Mr. Tiller, it's $5,000 cash. <laughs> I was like, oh, Okay. Well, at the time, uh, in 2015, our house had caught fire and burnt, and we had got a settlement check for it. And uh, Judge said, do you, do you think you'll be able to post that bond? And I said, well, probably. And uh, he said, well, we'll see about that. And within <laughs> two hours, my wife was up there bonding me out. And the first thing I did was hit the duck man's house as soon as I got out. And it's like, you know, that's how bad... You know, addiction is. Yeah. It grabs a hold of you, and it's harder than hell to get away from. I hear you. You know, that's what everyone says. But thank God, at some point right around here, you decide you've had enough, and you start to work towards getting clean. Let's talk about that for a second. November 23rd, 2016, I had, you know, to appear in Judge Advisor's court for a sentencing. Prior to going to court, you know, I was dope sick, so I went and bought some dope, did it. Went to court, and the uh, prosecutor says, Judge, you got to give him a drug screen. And the judge advisor looks at me and says, can you pass a drug screen? And I said, well, hell yeah, I can. You know, thinking, you know, try to play his bluff. And, yeah. Well, it, 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 it all backfired. Right. <laughs> and Jason took me, Jason Huxle took me down, did a urine screen on me. And uh, he says, you know what's in your system? I said, yeah, THC. He said, and opiates, and oxys, and fentanyl. He says, so what I'm telling you is, the heroin that you're doing is laced with fentanyl. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, I didn't really know what to say. So, and this is the day before Thanksgiving. Okay. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to go to jail. It's the day before Thanksgiving. Now, as soon as, as soon as the drug screen come back, he says, you are, you know, you're, we're putting you upstairs for 60 days. We're going to bring you back down. Well, about a week before I went to sentencing, I, you know, when I got out of uh, Delaware, 
in Randolph, I was flipping through the TV and I heard something about heroin. So I back it up and it was Brandy Lapilato, who is a nurse practitioner from Meridian at the time, talking about Vivitrol. Yep. I'd called them because, I mean, I was done with the game. I was sick and tired of being dope sick. I was right. sick and tired of, you know, trying to steal from Peter and Paul to yeah. get me fixed. You know, I mean, the lifestyle got old. I was done with it, and I was wanting change. And especially after my seventh overdose and my kids were getting to the ages where they're like, Dad, why can't you stop? You know, why can't you pick us instead of the drugs? And I just got I got tired of it. Right. I got sick of the lifestyle because I'd done lived it like 15 years. I was done with it, you know. And so I was had an appointment to go to Meridian the first week of December. And before I could get there, drug advisor done threw me in jail. But he let me have work release. Right. So I, I still got to go to um, Meridian and I got on Vivitrol. And I'm telling you what, that is what saved my life. That is what got me clean. I went from shooting three to five grams a day to nothing. And the withdrawals you think was going to be terrible, they were bearable. You know, I mean, I could bear it. I didn't have no cravings, nothing. And it was such like, I called it a miracle drug because it was like, you know, where, where the hell has this been for the last Ten, five, ten years of my life, you know. Well, so talk about that just for a second. So, Suboxone, Methadone, Subutec, all of that is basically just trading one addiction for another addiction because you don't go through withdrawals. You still get high. People still abuse it. They still sell it. People do dumb shit for it still. That still happens. But with Vivitrol, it's a little bit different, and you do go through a little bit of withdrawal, but you say that it's bearable, and this helps you not have cravings talk about the vivitrol just for a second vivitrol you don't get high off of it nothing it blocks the opiate receptors in your head even if you try if you're on vivitrol and you try to do any opiates at all you're not going to get high from it i should have went through like death sickness you know yeah. especially using three to five grams a day but no i mean it was yeah i felt like i just had the flu for about two weeks and that was it. And the cravings, you know, usually how you crave real bad when you're withdrawing and stuff. No, it wasn't even like that. I didn't have the first craving. Um, I've not craved any drugs since, you know, like December 5th, 2016 when I got on Vivitrol. Okay. And now and are you I, still on Vivitrol? No. I did Vivitrol for about six months and uh, came off of it, and I still to this day don't have cravings. So along with along with the Vivitrol, you were doing meetings or some kind of counseling or something? Oh, yeah. Okay. I had one long counseling with um, uh, Kathy, who was a counselor there at Meridian, and I was also had another counselor outside that I would talk to and my pastor, and then I was going to you know three to five meetings a week. Okay. I mean, meetings are very, 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 I can't stress enough how important it is for someone who's wanting recovery to go to meetings. And I do want to clarify this. So you didn't go to any kind of inpatient treatment for the heroin treatment. No. So that's just important for people to know. You got to the point where you were done and you found a way to get through it. You've got to have the desire to stop. You know, anybody can go to rehab. But if they don't have that desire and the want to get into recovery, it, it's, you know, I mean, no use for them to even go to rehab. Right, 
Right. You know, you uh, got in that and you got to have support. You can't do it alone. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Okay, so now let's take a second and talk about the reason why we connected for this episode. So, for those that don't know, it was an article ran in the Star Press, the paper in Muncie, Delaware County, and it just ran on Thursday, December 12th, 2019, so just a couple days before when we're actually recording this, and it talked about this new opioid addiction treatment center that plans to open in Muncie. And that sounds fantastic. Bring out the balloons and the clowns and the celebration. Everything seems wonderful. But when you read the article, and I will link the article in the description of this episode, and when you read the article, you will see it's not a treatment center. Rather, it is a Subutex Suboxone Methadone pushing facility. It's basically a methadone clinic. Yeah, well, you might as well call it a methadone clinic. And basically, it's opening at 3640 Briarwood Lane, which is in the northwest section of the city of Muncie up near Fox Ridge Lane up by the IHOP and the hotels up in that area which there are a lot of homes a lot of nicer homes condos are up there and some hotels there are living quarters up in that area I'm not sure that anyone really knows about this what blows my mind no matter what you think about drug treatment or this which I don't think it's drug treatment. I think this is basically state-sanctioned drug dealing, and I feel like that's the same. But no matter what you feel about this, what blows my mind is I've not heard anything about this. I've been to city council meetings. I've heard and follow what goes on in county council meetings, county commissioners meetings, and I've not heard a damn thing about this. The article, which everyone needs to read, states that it's set to open on Monday, December 16th, which at the time of this recording is only two days away, and I've not heard anything about this. The zoning, meetings, nothing. Now, in the article, they do mention the fact that the Indiana drug czar, Jim McClellan, was there. He was appointed by Governor Eric Holcomb. He was at the ribbon cutting that happened on Thursday, and they also do talk to some Delaware County officials, the chief deputy prosecutor from the Delaware County Prosecutor's Office, Zach Craig. They talked to Delaware County EMS Director Jason Rogers, and the City of Muncie Fire Department EMS Chief, Rachel Clark. And And these individuals are talking about what's been going on in Muncie slash Delaware County reference drug overdoses and the use of Narcan. What's interesting to me is in the article, it states that in August, Jason Rogers, the director of Delaware County EMS, told the Star Press that Delaware County EMS has recorded 816 overdose responses in 2017, which was up. 113 from the previous year. However, in 2018, the number of overdose calls dropped to 489, which is almost to the point where it's starting to look like it's being cut in half. And then as of August of this year, 2019, there have only been 289 
cases of overdose which had been recorded. And then the Muncie Fire Department EMS Chief Rachel Clark said since January 1, there had been 89 doses of nasal Narcan given by the fire department as first responders to reverse opioid overdose and 40 doses of Narcan given by EMS. Since September 30th, there have been 41 calls specified as overdose from provider impression. So it seems as though drug overdose is starting to decrease in Delaware County, yet they're pushing this state-sanctioned drug-dealing clinic rather than a detox or a legitimate treatment facility. And still, no matter what you think or no matter what you feel, I don't know anybody that knows anything about this. Does the city of Muncie know about this? Do the residents who live in the area know? Do the people who live in the area and that work in the area and that visit the area, do they know that on Monday there will be people lined up to get their drugs from this facility? I've not heard anything about this. It's like they tried to keep it hush-hush. See, right now, um, I took over leading Road to Redemption, which is, you know, well-known here in Muncie. It's a faith-based recovery group. We're always in contact with the city officials and stuff like that. And we had not heard nothing about it till we seen it in the Star Press. And the first thing I said was, who voted on this for him to allow it to come in? You know, and that's what I'm going to have to look at. You know, I don't know what kind of process these people went through for zoning. I don't know what that area up there is zoned for. But my question is, why has there not been more said about this in the days and weeks and months leading up to this? I mean, there was a newspaper article that came out on the 12th. This place is saying it's going to be open on the 16th. That's four days. This had been in the works longer than four days. Who knew about this? Why is this the first that citizens are hearing about it? Do citizens even know? Not everybody reads the Star Press or looks online. I guarantee you there are people that don't know this will be open Monday morning, and we have to look at what steps were taken and what is allowable and what isn't allowable and where are the citizens and their ability to voice their concern on this issue. I just don't understand why and how this was allowed to sneak through the back door like this, specifically because of what it is. But before we get crazy, because people are going to say, well, that's just you not wanting to help drug addicts again. I'm sitting here talking on the phone to you. You are a former addict who now helps other addicts. And when we're talking about this methadone, subutex, suboxone clinic that I'm saying is more or less state sanctioned drug dealing but coming from your point of view i want to hear why you believe this is bad what say you yeah me personally and you know i've talked to a few other you know higher ups in the recovery group you know leadings and stuff this is bad because i mean yeah you can overdose on heroin but you can also overdose on methadone Suboxone, Subutex, and not only that, they say it's for Muncie residents, but they don't realize we're going to have other people coming from different counties <laughs> oh, yeah. over here to this clinic. Yeah. And they don't tell you that there's going to be security guards out in the parking lot. I actually went to the Indiana Comprehensive Treatment Center and started reading some of their reviews. Yeah. A lot of them said clinic only wants money. They don't care about us. They only want money. The parking lot is worse than a trap house. That was my favorite. The parking lot is worse than a trap house. <laughs> 
And when I went to Marion for the year that I did methadone up there, people were selling it out in the parking lot. You had the hustle going out in the parking lot. There's armed guards out there. I mean, it was, it's crazy. They're talking about violence. Just wait till this methadone clinic comes in and something goes wrong in the parking lot and people start shooting people. Right. But another thing is they don't look at most everybody drives themselves to the clinic to dose. Right. Right. All right. You take the medicine and you leave. You're going to be driving under the influence. Absolutely. You're going to, I mean, methadone, they try to say you don't get high off of it. Bullshit. You do. Oh, yes. Yeah, you do. Oh, yeah. Now we're going to have to start watching and worrying. Is this driver under the influence? Is this one going to get hit? Is this one going to pull out in front of, you know what I mean? It's absolutely. And instead of them trying to get a methadone clinic in here, what they needed to do is try to get a detox center in here. You know, I'm, I'm for inpatient, but Muncie needs a detox center before they need an inpatient center. Absolutely. And then they need to start referring to people to like recovery groups where especially like Road to Redemption or Big Time Barbell with Mac Hines. Yeah. Uh, Road to Redemption is affiliate with uh, Big Time Barbell and need to get them into groups, into meetings besides rehab. Your group is your family. Everybody's been down the same road. Everybody wears the same T-shirt. And if you're struggling with something, you know, maybe somebody there went through the same thing and can help you through it. Absolutely. And that's why those type of programs seem much better than these type of programs that are just handing out alternative dope and I'm just floored that it looks like no one in Muncie none of the officials really knew really knew about this yeah you start thinking about it's scary because we're trying to take care of the epidemic not contribute to it and so it's your belief and the people that you're around in your group and other groups like yours that this is going to set treatment back oh yeah definitely we've we've sent people to rehab for methadone and suboxone right. and CBX. This is not treatment. This no, is this is a money maker for this company because I was looking at prices. A methadone is sixteen dollars a day. Uh, suboxone is eighteen dollars a day, and Sebutex is twenty four dollars a day. And they know if they get you hooked, you're going to keep coming back every day. It's a money-making thing, man. We all we all see that. You know it. I know it. And their goal is to see as many people as they can. Yeah, they got five facilities, including Muncie. How many people are they going to see a day? Hundreds. Well, why got Dr. Hedrick shut down? Seeing hundreds of people a day in the same clinic and over-prescribing. Long-term at that. It's only supposed to be a short-term use to get yeah. you through the withdrawals. Well, these people have been going to this comprehensive treatment center for three years, five years, ten years. It's all about money. They don't give a shit about if they're helping people or not. Then when you get on the Suboxone and Subutex for a length of time, methadone, they start giving you what they call take-homes. If people want to use, they're just going to sell those and go buy dope. This is not the answer. If this was the answer, then Clean Slate and groups recovered together would already had it taken care of. You wouldn't have needed another methadone, Suboxone, or Subutex clinic. Right. I hear you. I'm just amazed that we're still this far along. And, and not know nothing about it. No one knows anything about it. That just blows my mind because I know all the hoops, you know, that normally Mm -hmm. places like this have to jump through. And that's why I reached out to you. Yeah. That's why I reached out to you. I've seen what you've done in the community. I know we didn't get off to a good start, but... Oh, we're all good, brother. Yeah, that's history. Yeah. Now I realize what's going on in Winchester, and I totally agree with where you're coming from with that. That's why I reached out to you because I know you can get things done and you can get things started and you can get things shut 
down. Well, I appreciate your kind words. I mean, I, I do what I can, what I believe in, and I do what I think is right for my community or the communities that I'm helping folks in. And I certainly agree that this methadone clinic is not the answer. It's definitely not treatment. Going to methadone, Suboxone, and Cybutex, you're still getting high. How they, how do they say it's a treatment center when you're not treating it? You're just making money. That's how the state makes money. Yeah, yeah. Off, you know. off the backs of people who might be trying to get clean, or people who are looking just for an uh -huh. easier way to get high. Yeah, they ain't got, they ain't got to, you know, go looking for dope or anything. They can just go dose there. It's day. right there. Yeah, right, right. Absolutely. Give us the bottom line. If a person really wants help get off opiates. They need to get on Vivitrol. They need to go to an inpatient so they can, you know, start learning their coping skills and their tools because a person who's, you know, been in, you know, been in active addiction has never dealt with feelings. We don't know how to react. We don't know what our feelings are because most time we use drugs to cover up the feelings and they've got to learn that. They've got yeah. to learn how to cope with everyday life, you know, which their coping was shooting up, getting high. And that's it. Then after they get out of inpatient, they need to do like a outpatient, um, like IOT, intensive outpatient treatment. And the other thing is they need to learn to know God, because if it wasn't for Christ, most of us wouldn't be here. I am behind that 100 percent. You know, uh, for those that whew, I don't know, for those that I, I don't know, for those that are non-believers. Better start believing. <laughs> well, yeah, they better start believing <laughs> to each their own. But, uh, you know, right. I, I certainly feel as though right. the treatment process would definitely be easier if you, uh, you know, gave it to God and and yeah. allowed for him to take That's over. That's what God says to do in his word. He says, lay it at my feet. Yep. That's why he died on the cross. So we don't have to carry them burdens. We don't have to carry that shame. You know, we don't have to carry that heartache. We can put it at Christ's feet and move on with it. That's what causes a lot of relapse is having that shame that what you did, you know, what you, how you hurt this. Don't use it as shame. Use it as motivation. Look where you were and look where you're at now and keep pushing forward because it gets better. I mean, I just passed my three-year mark. November 23rd, 2016 is when I got sober. I just passed it, and now I'm working on my fourth year, and I never imagined being here. Never. Never imagined being in leadership over Road to Redemption, you know. I never imagined that. I thought the only way I was going to get off drugs is when I finally overdosed, and that was it. Right. You know, I was taking a dirt nap. Yeah. But by the grace of God, I seen that commercial that one day, and that's what changed it all. Absolutely. But you got to also got to have that want and desire. Well, yeah, right. You, and you had yeah, had I mean, that. Be, I mean, you you were looking, you were trying oh, to figure yeah. out how to get out of it. Right. And a lot of it was, I mean, it was for about two years I was wanting to get off of it. But I didn't have insurance. And everywhere I called, it's like, well, you, we need a down payment of like five grand. And I'm like, what well, addict has five grand in their back pocket, lady? <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, come on. <laughs> and, uh, Finally, I got, you know, hip, and that was it. I got on Vivitrol, and, man, I'm telling you. if Now, it also, Vivitrol also works for alcohol, too. So if a person's, you know, an alcoholic and want to quit drinking, get on Vivitrol. Yeah. And it's that, like, yeah. and make sure you hit the meetings. I can't stress enough how important meetings are, you know. You'll hear me say it a hundred times, you know, you got to hit them meetings. Um when I first got clean, I went to 90 meetings in 90 days. And I'm telling you what, it helped me learn a lot. And it also, like I said, can't have idle time. Idle time is the devil's playground. 
that's when your mind starts thinking your addiction takes over and you're like, Oh, well, one won't hurt, you know, right. I can, I can handle it. No, don't even think that way. that's when you need to pick up the phone and call somebody, get you a sponsor. Like my mentor was Brian Bell still is. I talk to him three, four times a day, you know, me and him, he's helped me through so much. And, you know, I, I praise God every day that he put him in my life because right. he's brought, he's helped me come so far. And, uh, actually Brian Bell and Jennifer Bell are the founders of Road to Redemption. They are the ones that started Road to Redemption about five years ago. And, uh, God's calling them to do more with the counseling and, um, you know, getting people into treatment and stuff. And Brian's going back to school. And so they stepped back from Road to Redemption and let me take it over because Brian knows, you know, I've got the heart of gold. Um, I got the compassion for people, you know. Right. I've been there. I've done it. I know how they're hurting. I know what they're going through. And I just, I mean, I want to get them help before it's too late. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this methadone clinic is the last thing that Muncie needs. I certainly agree with what you're saying because I'm just really worried. I know what I've heard before. Matter of fact, when I was on the police department many, many years ago, I recall them saying that a methadone clinic was going to come to the area and a bunch of people were fighting it. And it didn't end up coming, so we won out there. But every now and then, you have situations like this. Now, what happens in this case is it seems like it was snuck in the back door, and we've only learned about it here at the 11th hour. And so we're going to have to really take a look at what's going on, what has went on, and what, if anything, can be done and or what guarantees they're trying to give us, but I just don't know if I buy into that, and I really hope that some people have some answers, because if not, somebody needs to be in trouble. And so I give you my word, Anthony, that I will stay on this. I will try to find out what exactly is going on, who knew about this, when this was discussed, and find out why no one from the public seemed to know anything about this until here at the 11th hour. We're coming to the end of our time, and I want to thank you for taking the time to be with us, to let us hear your story, and I want to say how proud I am of you for the improvements that you've made in your life and for everything that you're doing for those that you help that come to the group Road to Redemption. I want to thank you for what you're doing for the community, and I want to thank you for staying on me and bringing this to my attention so this could be something that we could look into, and if there's something that we can do, by God, we'll do it. I do want to say keep my number and keep in communication with me. Stay in touch and let us know how you're doing, how your group is doing, and let's uh, stay active and stay involved with this fight to see if there's anything we can do to keep this drug push clinic out of our community. I yes, definitely want yes. to, uh, you know, this is something that we all need to be passionate about, and it's something that we all need to be paying attention to, and it's something that can absolutely negatively 
affect all of us, including those fighting to try and stay clean. So, I'd like for you to come to uh, Road Redemption sometime. Absolutely. See what, see absolutely. what it's truly about. Yeah, you know? I, I would absolutely be honored to do that and would love to see what you and your group is all about. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. This episode has ran just a little long, but I think that this topic is important. I think it's important to hear from those that have been in active addiction and have fought their way back. I think it's important to hear for people who may be in active addiction that yes, it's hard and it is a struggle, but you can overcome it. And I think it's very important for us, everyone in the community, to say, what are we looking at with this methadone, suboxone, subutec clinic that's coming into the community? Did you know about this? If you knew about this, let me know by calling 765-546-9796. If you didn't know about this, get a hold of me at 765-546-9796 because this is something that we absolutely, absolutely need to keep our eye on and we need to maybe take a look and see what there is, if anything, to be done with this. Thank you again to Anthony Tiller for being our guest on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to share this episode, number 64. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you again on Tuesday's episode, number 65. Until then, take care, God bless, be safe, and I'll look forward to talking to you again real soon. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember... Perception, Perception is, is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.